Hello and welcome to Ramble Meets. This is part one of my chat with Danny Murphy. I know they're not usually separated into two parts, but this episode is a little bit different, chiefly because Danny and I chatted for so long. I didn't think it was reasonable to expect you to sit for an hour and 10 minutes in one go. So uh, we split it into two. Obviously, we recorded this during lockdown, so you might hear a bit of background noise. Danny is isolating with his family at the moment and kindly gave up his time just after he'd finished a bit of homeschooling with his son. Um, So you might hear a bit of background uh, of his his family and his household. Um, Without further nonsense from me, though, let's get into it. This is Ramble Meets Danny Murphy. Let's start off at the beginning then. What are your memories as a young child of football? When did it all start for you? Um, Very, very young. Very young for me. I had three older brothers who were all county-level players. Um, and they all loved football when they were younger. Probably not to the intensity I did. One of them, maybe the next one up, three years older than me, Paul, he did. But the, the other two were good at it, but it wasn't the be-all and the end-all. But from, from day dot, I can't remember um, ever wanting to do anything else other than go out and play football. The the area I lived at a local playing field where just, you know, where a lot of the lads used to meet. Um, and we used to go there basically till it got dark every night. Hmm. Um, we were, it sounds bad parents in that, doesn't it? But <laughs> that's just the way yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I started playing with my brother and his mates, which, which ultimately toughened me up quite quickly. Um, and... I think the natural ability part of it was was just there. I I talk about this a lot, and I have repeated myself on this, but I do believe that you you know a lot of it is just within you. It's it's there. You I couldn't I never I never got coached out to ping a ball outside of the right foot, bend a ball, you know, beat a man, whatever it was. The passes, seeing the pictures, you see the pictures or you don't. I think. Um, and I was given a gift because I was comfortable with the older boys and I I didn't really have to apply myself properly in terms of work ethic till, till I was a professional, to be honest. Um, my application as a kid was because I loved it, um, but I didn't really have to work hard on it, on things to improve. I was just given a gift and I quickly realised I was, you know, I was pretty good without being over the top about it because I was playing... School years, a couple of years up, I was playing like local Sunday league teams a year or two up. And then I started playing district a year up, county a year up. And then, of course, by the time you start playing kids your own age, you're, you're dominating games and scoring lots of goals. And then the attention comes from the professional clubs. And probably about 13, 14 is when I started realising that I had a good chance. I really thought, you know, I could be a footballer. It's interesting. So you don't. So you, you think that's across the board for everyone? Then you think the t- the talent is innate, and of course you can hone the talent and apply yourself through hard work. But ultimately, you've either got it or you haven't. You're not a subscriber to this kind of ten thousand hours work, 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 and you'll get there. It's there's a certain amount of innate ability no, I, that I, you have to possess. Yeah, sorry, no, misinterpreted me a little bit. I, I'm a bit in between. I, I think that you can have. You know, loads of natural talent and you have to, the app, I'm, I'm doing myself an injustice. I, of course, applied myself by turning up for training all the time and going out and playing every day, didn't I, in that mm. respect? But but the ability was there. Can you work on your ability and your technique? Yes, of course you can. You can practice those things and get better and better. 
but some of my friends who were physically as capable as me, they could they could do ten million hours and never do see the pictures I could see. Hmm. So you know, there's a, there's always a balance. But for me personally, I was more talking about that I didn't have to work on stuff. Um, hmm. I did naturally work on stuff by playing football, if that makes sense, by putting the hours in and training and playing, but all with freedom and enjoyment, with no coaching really. Till I was, I didn't get properly coached till I was when I went to crew really when I was about thirteen. Um, and, and so, so everything I was, I taught, I was self-taught really, it was self-taught. I don't, the, 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 it's interesting actually deviating a little bit. You talk about the 10,000 hours thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's impossible to really compare anyone that's ever done 10,000 hours without loving, loving doing it to somebody doing 10,000 hours because they're trying to prove a point that they can, and they're still as good as the one that does it with the love and the passion. Yeah. I think if you do anything with love and passion, like I, I loved playing football. I was obsessed. You know, I loved watching football, loved going to football. I loved everything about it. So I, I, I happily put in those hours. If you were putting in those hours a bit more reluctantly without that same love or passion, I still think you'd be well, well behind. Yeah, okay, that's a really good point, actually. And and so when you when you move to Crew and you you start your, your career there, and I think that's that's a really interesting aspect because these days a lot of high performing footballers at the top level will um, will come through the academy system and will not have that grounding. Because I think you played in the third division at one point, didn't you, with Crew? It's, how, well, did that, it how did that leave you? Yeah, yeah. We, well, my first, I made my debut when I was sixteen in the fourth division. Well, it was if you, if you count the Premier League as one. Championship is two and three and four. That's yeah, yeah. So I, I made my debut at uh, sixteen in the fourth division, um, and then went ended up the four years we ended up in the championship over that four year period. So played in all the leagues up to the championship, um, and it was fantastic grounding. I mean, I, I was very fortunate in in a world full of physicality and um, old school football, if you like. I was in a I was at a club playing more uh, modern football futuristic at the time in some respects in those leagues um mm. with with a with a guy in dario who believed in playing the right way and expressing yourself and progressing individuals he wasn't about the promotions were were a bonus for him he wanted players to you know that gave him the capability to to get better players to a degree in terms of attracting them from the bigger clubs when they got released but ultimately he he wanted to make players better sell them on to the, the biggest clubs and get money to, to um, enhance the, the club, the training ground, the, the ground, the, the stands at the ground, et cetera, et cetera. And he did that really, really well. Um, but the whole experience of playing down there was, it was very grounding. I mean, you know, I look back and there was no food after training. You, you, there was no, there was no kit man doing your kit for when you got in, you take your kit home every day, even if it's, Soaking wet and, and muddy, and you wash it, and you or your mum does, and then you uh, <laughs> and then you take it back the next day. You know, you, you used to do the do do the boots. Um, I mean, one of my first boot, one of my first jobs as a boot boy was actually. In fact, I'll test you here. I, I I actually cleaned the boots of a European Cup winner at Crew. Did you really? Yeah. Okay. So well, you're going to ask leave, me who it is, right? I'll leave you. I'll leave you with that one as we talk. All right. How? What year was it though? 19 well so i was what so but 77 so it had been 93 92 93 season or 93 94 93 94 season i think i started okay right 94 interesting yeah. 
I don't know the answer, but maybe you could tell us at the end. I'll make a note to you at the end. Yeah, yeah. You'll, <laughs> right, know you'll know him. All right, great. And and around that time, Danny, I did. Well, I was doing some research earlier, and and actually, it's 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 backed up by people I've spoken to about you that you were always someone who thought quite deeply about the game. And and I I read something that said that even as a teenager, the coach would trust your judgment on a player and or a different talent or a prospect. First of all, is that true? And secondly, why do you think you were good at being able to judge that kind of thing? Um. I was given an opportunity by Dario Crew as a young lad, um, you know, in me, well, 13, 12, 13, 14, when I first really got established there, um, to go and watch the first team and travel to games with him um, and also on my own as well. When I look more locally to where I lived, I'd go and watch a game, report back on the, the odd game for him or the odd player. Um, so I was given a platform and I was given guidance by him on things to look for and you know, the, and and also just 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 a, a, a natural um, enjoyment of what I thought a good player was and should be. You know, so I, I tended to gravitate towards creative players who, you know, wanted the ball and prepared to make mistakes. And I I I, I think tactically, I I was taught a lot by Dario and the other coaches at Crew moving forward. Steve Holland was my youth coach at Crew in 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 the early days. Um, and you just you just pick up things along the way, but I enjoyed it. It wasn't a chore to me. It wasn't wasn't hard work watching a game if someone gave me a video or you know go and watch a game over there and see this player or that player. I enjoyed it, um, and yeah, he, he gave me the opportunity to do that. It was fascinating, really. It, it it was a help and a hindrance because, of course, the relationship I had with him in terms of. As I, as I developed into a first team player, benefited me because he trusted me and knew knew all of, knew knew me in terms of my football intelligence and also my desire. But it also it also hampered you a little bit with the first team boys who were older, who whose places you were taking, you know, because they thought you were a little mm. pet, you know, teacher's pet if you like, and you were getting special treatment. But I I quickly put that to bed by the, the levels I was performing at. Yeah, no, fair enough. And and so obviously, Crew had a lot of success. You you went up through the playoffs, didn't you? You you had uh, victory at, um, at Wembley. I think you were twenty at the time in nineteen ninety seven. And at that mm. point, I suppose you knew that bigger clubs were sniffing around and that you were going to make a move. Just give us an ex- a sort of feeling about what it was like as an exciting young player at that point. Well, uh, funnily enough, um, the I, I knew I was going to Liverpool before that game um, because. Right. The earlier in the season, I was sitting at home at my mum's at the time, and uh, my my phone the phone rang. It was Kenny Dalgleish, who's manager in Newcastle, mm. and uh, I didn't believe him. I thought it was a wind up, and put the phone down, and told him where to go. <laughs> believe. This is this is I mean, this is truth. This is my hero. Yeah, this is my first hero, and his phone. You know, you can't. It's surreal, isn't it? Kenny Dalgleish calling you. Yeah, of course. Okay, whatever. Did you so expect anyway, a call? Was it just out of the blue? No, completely out of the blue. So I, I didn't believe it. I did tell him where to go. And then the next night he's called back and um, managed to get me to listen. And he was managing Newcastle and said, did I want to go there? Because they've been trying to put, you know, get me from crew. And I think they'd offered about half a million quid at the time. Um, and I was, of course, as a young lad, as you would be, yeah, 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 I'll come. Of course I want to come. I want to play in the Premier League and I, or whatever it was then. I think it was just about Premier League then. Um, and... Yes, I want to play for you, Kenny, yeah. So he said, well, you're going to have to go and see your manager. And Dario was obviously like a father figure to me, which was a difficult one. And we were flying high. I was doing well that season. We're on the push for promotion. This this is only midway through the season, probably just past midway. Yeah. And um, 
so anyway, Dario basically said, "Look, I didn't, I, I didn't want this to happen because I didn't want you getting, um, I didn't want you deviating from the task in hand, which is getting us promoted. You know, there's there's plenty of time. You don't need to go now. It'd be the wrong decision. They're not they're not anywhere near the valuation of you anyway. And I'm going to have to tell you that Liverpool have already spoke to me. And Liverpool want you if that changes your mind. So I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> you so, a Liverpool uh, fan, right? Yeah. So um, a week later, Dario told me to go around his house and Peter Robinson and Roy Evans turned up. Right. And um, basically said, look, don't worry how you play from now to the end of the season. We've seen enough. We want you. So relax. Stop worrying about like if we're in the stand or who's coming to, you know, we want you. We're going to take you. We believe in you. Enjoy the rest of the season. Um, And so for a lot of that season, um, I knew I was going. Now, the only thing that changed was that more clubs came in and matched the fee. So I ended up speaking to Tottenham just as a comparison, really, which right. I was advised to do by various people. But what, what happened was we got promoted the day at Wembley against Brentford 1-0. I got man of the match. Um, that day, I had to go... Sh- sh- no, sorry, the next day, we, we, we met up to go straight out to the World Youth Championships in Malaysia. So I was away for five or six weeks. We lost to Argentina, I think. But in the t- yeah, we did. We lost to Argentina. It was the same side. I played up front with Michael Owen, actually, in that tournament. And um, I, the Liverpool move was on hold while I was in that. I could have been, I could have done my knee or anything. Didn't That's even crazy think to about now. Yeah, you, it wouldn't happen now. Yeah. It wouldn't happen now. But yeah, so I went off um, to Malaysia knowing the deal was going to get done when I get back, without even worrying. I didn't think about injuries back then. But so I knew the deal was on for a long, long time. Yeah. And what so what's it like rocking up at Liverpool? You've gone for a one and a half million pounds. It's a completely different kettle of fish. I know that. But was it intimidating for you turning up on the first day at a club that size? Can you imagine turning up to a... <laughs> A club where the play most a lot of the players are players you idolise. Um, mm. My first session at Liverpool, I actually um, had the pleasure. I mean, my second hero growing up was John Barnes, mm. and um, I knew a couple of the younger lads, like because I played with Michael and Cara, um, obviously at the England younger levels, and I'd just been in that World Youth Cup with them. So that was a nice, you know, that was a a, a bit a bit of reassurance, but. John Barnes was great. He took me under his wing a bit the first day. I did some running with him and, you know, talk. And, and to be honest, they did make me feel at ease, but I don't think it, I think it took me quite a while to really um, get over that kind of, I shouldn't be here. These, these are heroes of mine. And am, am I, am I actually good enough? You know, it's, it's a, it's a very different mentality to try and put yourself in, you know, believing in yourself. You'd been, I'd been I'd been tearing it up in the lower leagues, but actually getting to that point where you're then thrust into some of the best players in the country, and if not further afield, the likes of Steve McManaman and Robbie and John Barnes at the time, hmm. all of a sudden you've got you've got doubts. You you know what oh, what is going on? How am I going to get in? You know, oh, it's just little old me. Hmm. And you have to. Some players adapt straight away. It took me. I think because I was a Liverpool fan, it took me longer. And, do you, and what give and give us give us an example us 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 non professionals people who haven't played the game at the top level what the difference is like in terms of the training at somewhere like Liverpool compared to what you were used to was it just faster stronger more complicated what what was it I think the the technical aspect 
very few players aren't comfortable with the ball first and foremost. You know, you yeah. you lower levels. There's there's some players who are very limited in what they can do. They they're good at what they do, but they're you know they're destroyers or creators. Whereas in in at that when you go to Liverpool, for example, when I went to Liverpool, you know, all the players were comfortable on the ball, all playing out, all hmm. no no nobody, everybody had a confidence about them and a, and a, an aura and a presence and belief in themselves. You know, there was. You couldn't intimidate anyone with anything because they, they they're all experienced. I think, I think just, I think the confidence and, and the self worth, if you like, you know, your self esteem is is the most important thing in in when you first go because everybody's there for a reason when you're at Liverpool. They've, they've all most of them have all proven themselves already. Um, so you, it's 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 not so much that it's hundred miles an hour difference. It, it's more the the confidence and aura that the players around you present, and you're not used to being around a full a, a, a full squad of players who all have complete belief in themselves. It's like, well, you know, it's making me feel uncomfortable. Was that inspiring for you, or was it intimidating? Do you think, or both, maybe? I, I've always responded to challenges and kicks up the backside. I've, I've always struggled when I've got too much praise and an arm around me. I start right. thinking I'm I'm Billy Big, you know what, potatoes, yeah. and um, yeah. I start thinking I'm the man. I get into a comfort zone. Um, and my first season was fine because I, I was involved off the bench a lot and I started a few games and that's all I expected in the first season. You know, I was, I knew growing up what it was. I still had that old school philosophy. If you get to Liverpool, you learn your trade, you have a, you know, you're in and around it and then you kick on the second season, but it went the opposite way for me. Hmm. I got, I got, the fame initially and then a bit of fortune, if you like. I mean, I'd gone from 250 quid to about three grand a week. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, which was a big change. And then, of course, I'd gone from living in Chester, which is 25 miles from Liverpool, where everyone's a Liverpool or Everton fan, more or less, um, to being recognised everywhere you go. Hmm. Um, and mix, mix that with starting to come off the bench and play in the first team and start a few games. Um all of a sudden, you think you're the man. Think you've made it. Mm. Started going out a bit, bit more than I should. Started partying a bit. Started, you know, doing things that young lads do. Mm. Um, just, just nightclubs, girls. You know that type of silliness, really. And the second season, when the transition happened, it was joint managers at first. Then it was Julier on his own. The club was in transition. I, I needed. I needed some help and guidance and at that point didn't get it because there was too much else going on and I couldn't work it out for myself why I wasn't doing better. Mm. It was only when Julier got hold of the team himself, started building up relationships with the players, taking an interest, looking at what have you got, what haven't you got, can I be someone in his future plans that he then decided he was going to try and help me. And And so... You went from playing an awful lot of football at quite a young age at Crew to playing not as much. And of course, you mm. went back on loan for a little bit as well. Was it difficult, first and foremost, just not playing competitive football for a while when you were just playing reserve football? Was that a bit different? It was different, but it was you, you, you've got to understand the first year at Liverpool. I mean, I was travelling with the first team. I was on the bench. I was playing reserve games with lots of top players. I, I, was, I was just on the wave, you know. I was loving yeah. it. It didn't... It didn't Playing every week, I did. I do love, and I did love playing every week. I always did, but the fact that I was at Liverpool, part of it, getting bits, getting bits of time on the pitch, you know, playing in the reserves, 
I was out to prove myself. It was only the second season when I started getting despondent, really, that I thought, oh, you know, this is maybe this is a step too far for me. Maybe actually I'm I I jumped too high too soon. Maybe a a lower Premiership club or a mid-table club would have been a better option. Um, started doubting myself, and and actually, it, it I didn't really have the the knowledge, the support around me, or or or, or the just the basic intelligence to understand that it wasn't ability. It was, it was looking after me. It was physicality. It was application because I, I go back to what I said before. I'd never had to work that hard for all the good stuff that had already, already happened to me. Hmm. And what sort of player had you developed into at this point? For some of our younger listeners, let us know the type of player you, you were when you, when you had spent a year or two at Liverpool. What were you good at? What were you not so good at? What did you think? How would you have described yourself as a footballer at that point? I was, I was a creative player. I was, a, I, I, I could change games. I, so I scored a lot of goals for Crew, and I was, um, I played attacking midfield three. I played as front left of a front three. I play as a ten. I'd never played really holding role then because I could go past people. I could score long ranges, free kicks. I could get in the box. I was, I was a creative player. I was a good passer. The passing was always the thing they had. I could see a pass. I could open up a team. I could always, always open up a team once or twice in a game. So the passing was the, I was a, a good passing, a good creative passing player who could score a goal, which was a big thing then. Hmm. And what I, what I wasn't and, and what I needed to be to get into that Liverpool team was super fit uh, with a good mentality and applying all those attributes I had along with the fitness. But I hadn't had to do that before. Hmm. So, Ultimately, when I went back on loan to Crew, which is which was you know a story in itself, where he gave me the option to do that only that when Ipswich were top of the Championship and offered me to go on loan, I wanted to go there for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, he was testing me, Julia, and he tested me by seeing if I wanted if I had the appetite to go back and play. And of course, under Dario and playing every week and, and training hard, I, I did start playing again every week. Got my fitness back up. We ended up staying up from a, a, an impossible position. I played with Seth Johnson, Rodney Jett. We had a we had a really good running actually, and and beat a lot of the big teams. And then when I finished the season, Julio basically said to me, you know, when when I spoke to him, you've you've proven yourself to me that you've got the appetite to play and work hard. And actually, if you listen to me now, I'll give you a chance. And what you've got to do is you've got to get fit. You've got to look after yourself better. You've got to do this, this, and this. And we we he just kept communicating with me. I moved out of Chester. I moved out of the city I was brought in. I went and lived on the Wirral in a bit more remote area. Um, lived in the same road as Jamie Redknapp, who was a big influence helping me, you know, in terms of his professionalism and, you know, keeping an eye out. Um, and and just did the right things and went back early pre-season, got fit, um, did what they said, lost a bit of, bit of weight, a little bit, let's say a little bit, yeah, enough to, to make me sharper, worked on my fitness. And basically... Ended up a, a, a midfielder, but off off the wider areas, coming right and tucking in on the right, tucking in on the left, and getting into those little number ten positions from a wider area. And then, of course, I'd play central when there was an injury or two. But mm. the fitness allowed me to play wider. And then the goals started coming, and the assists started coming. And the more the more I did, and the, and and the better I got. The more he kept influencing me and guiding me, and 
Um, not always to my liking, by the way. I mean, there were some mm. times where I thought, what, what is he on about? And every <laughs> time he gave me advice, every time he gave me a target, what he said would happen, happened. Right. You know, so, it was, he was, Gerald Hulot was phenomenal for me. So he's a huge influence on your career then, that, in that, that really key part of it. Massive. I, I, I always think my ability alone probably would have kept me in Premier League just about, maybe. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, in, in, in one of the yo-yo teams, maybe, based on the fact I could make things happen. But he turned me into a proper Premier League player. Somebody, somebody, somebody who maximised what I had. Mm. Um, he, he made me understand how to get the best out of myself. Um, and, and, and part of that process isn't just physicality, of course. I know I'm talking about fitness a lot, mm. but it's the mentality to discipline yourself and believe in yourself. And it doesn't matter what, what, what walk of life you're in and what job you're in. I mean, it, it's more important, I know, in sport, but you need someone who's got belief in you and guides you a little bit. You can't work it all out on your own. Mm. And and also, I mean, I've heard managers, top managers in the past say that the best players, they don't let it affect them if it's a disappointment or or they come up a bit short. They kind of, they're always so mentally robust that they focus on the next thing and they, they're able to put out their mind and carry on. Would you, would you go along with that as well? Mental toughness? Yeah, men, mental toughness, emotional resilience, whatever phrase you want to give it. I mean, there's a big debate about emotional resilience in footballers now. You know, are they too mollycoddled, is it? Is everything come too easy? Um, I think it's a balance, like everything. Mm. I, I think I, I, I don't know where it came from, but I always had a, a a desire not to give up, not to. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I left Liverpool in two thousand and four, that I, it, some people suggested to me, close to me, that you know I'd given up on it, and and actually. That hurt really, and I had to analyse that for years. But I, I, I don't give up on stuff, and I didn't in the first place to build my Liverpool career because I wanted to, to. If I was going to have to walk away from the club a lot in the initial stages, I wanted to look look myself in the mirror and say to myself, you know, you've you've done everything you can, and I knew I hadn't. Mm. Whereas when I left in two thousand and four, and I'd had you know my my good times there, I, I knew that I'd probably played. As, as as well as I could to get to that level. And actually, if someone doesn't quite like that and wants to change it up a little bit, I'm not sure how bet, much better I can get at that point. And actually, I don't want to go back to not playing and playing reserve football again because that that that's actually the worst thing for me mentally as mm. a footballer and as a human being. Because when I wasn't playing, I was an absolute misery. I do want to come on to your departure from Liverpool in a minute because you, you said some interesting stuff about it. But before I do that, I mean, 2001, the cup treble was a really interesting season. What are your memories of that? And chiefly the crazy UEFA Cup final and also the mad turnaround in the FA Cup final against Arsenal as well. Do you know, do you know what? In, in all honesty, um, so much of that season is a blur. Um, and I say that not because it wasn't amazing and, and some of the best memories of my life. Some, you know, it, it, winning things with the club you love is, is just all you ever want to do. But mm. we were playing in that many big games that regularly. It became it became normal. Mm. So, you know, you're, you you might be playing United in the league and then Barca in, in the, or, you know, it could be Roma one night and, and Everton on the weekend. And, and, <laughs> 
it just kept happening. FA Cup quarterfinal, UEFA Cup semi-final. Yeah. You know, we've got to, we've got to win this weekend to get back into the Champions League spots in the Premier League. It's like, <clears throat> you know, you, you you miss one game maybe because you've been rested or rotated or whatever, dropped, whatever you want to call it. And he'd always have the... He, he was in a great position, Ulegs. He was always... We were in every competition. Yeah. And he might say to you, well, you're not playing against Tottenham on Saturday, but get yourself right for, for Roma or away on Tuesday or whatever. It's like, oh, OK. Well, you're not going to kick... You're not going to kick off, are <laughs> no, you? No. So... So it, it, it became a... It became a conveyor belt of massive games, all televised, all high pressure. And... and it just it just became normal to play in big games. You became blasé about it. It's 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 it sounds a bit flippant, but it's the bubble you're in where you think it's always going to happen. Or oh, you're playing for Liverpool. We're winning. We're in another quarter final. We're, we're starting to have success now. This is just going to keep happening. And then, and of course, we'd won the League Cup, the FA Cup. We won. We go to the U, 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 UEFA. We win that. Then then you can't really celebrate because we've got to go Charlton on the last day to get a place for Champions League. We do that. <clears throat> Before you know it, you're back in pre-season and going again. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it, it's, although that season in isolation was amazing and, and historical in many ways and, and the best season trophy-wise in my career, it's, it's probably not, and, and obviously it's a long time in terms of years, it's not as fresh in my memory as, as some of the seasons that weren't as successful. Mm. And, and the, one of the things I find fascinating about that UEFA Cup final, obviously finishes 5-4 after extra time. You're a midfield player, right? You played um, the entirety of that game. You've already said mm. that you're somebody who likes to make things happen. You like to be on the ball. I often think from the outside looking in, as a midfield player, you probably want to feel like you've got control over a game. Like you think, right, we've got this now. This is how we're going to do it. And we're in control i watched that game back in preparation for this interview no one has got control of that game at any point so you must have felt a bit a bit helpless at some points in that i watched it myself a few weeks ago the um the only time we had control was in the first period when first you got tunnel up yeah 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 it was it was too easy hmm. um they re- were they were a bit they were they froze a little bit they weren't causing us too many problems we got a bit blase and then of course as you know with any team that's got quality in it and they had some good players they 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 started putting fear into us, and you know one got all of a sudden one goal back, and and the game was could have gone anyway, couldn't it? It was a remarkable a set of um, circumstances that actually won us the game in the end. When you think of you know a set playing golden goal, own goal in golden goal. Yeah. I mean, come on, and two red cards. It's like weird, isn't it? Two red cards. Yeah, well, we we had to go for it then because they were on the last legs. But the the final itself was. Was it was a great game, really, in terms of any any final you want goals, don't you? You had all the drama, mm. but it, do you know what? It doesn't really matter from a football from a player's perspective. Um, I, I I know I've got an FA Cup winners winners medal because of Michael Owen, mm. um, and because they didn't have VAR back then, and Stefan Encho unballed it on the line. But <laughs> I, I I've got the winners medal. You know what I mean? I've got it. No one really remembers the brilliance of the game. It's just, did you win or did you lose? I mean, if you play, if we'd have played in that final and lost five four, no one, no, it, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a good memory, would it? No, that's true. It's only a good memory because you won, and it's the same with a one nil or winning on penalties. You've won, you get through, and you're a winner, and that's all. all, all ultimately, what the mindset of, well, it was of me, but being at Liverpool, it wasn't about how you get through a final. It wasn't about just get the job done, and we actually were good at getting the job done in finals then. 
Yeah, well, it certainly were that season. My goodness, every every single one of them. Um, so 2004, you leave Liverpool, and you said recently to the BBC that um, lot. I think the quote was, "A lot of players say they don't have any regrets." Well, I do. Mm. And you talked about um, Rafa Benitez, and 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 obviously being told that you 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 were surplus to requirements. And what what did you mean when you said you were regretful about it? Just that you thought you could have fought a bit harder, held on a bit longer, or because you said to me before, Danny, that it was made clear to you that you probably weren't going to play much. He did make it clear. Mm. I mean, he made it very clear. Uh, they had... So, when I left, there was there was lots of players still there. Smyce, Deep Marman, Stevie G, signed Alonso, signed Garcia. There's just five, never mind other players that were still there, you know. So, there was, probably, there, there was a lot of good competition. And when you're talking about the likes of Alonso and Garcia, you understand why Rafa would want to bring in some quality of his own that he knew. I get it. Mm. I, what, when, I, when I'm talking about regrets, I mean... The way it went that season in terms of injuries and stuff, I would have played some football for sure. Mm. And and my regret was that I didn't have enough belief in myself. Because when I, when I say belief, I don't just mean belief in making my way back into the team. Because even if that hadn't happened, hadn't happened, I'd still built up a lot of credit in the bank in terms of getting a move the summer after to a good club. My doubt in me was, well, I've, I've had a good four or five seasons now. I'm proven in the Premier League. I want to play every week. And actually, I've got a good few offers here, good contracts, uh, four or five-year deals. And will I have that if I sit in the resis for a year mm. and don't play? And how frustrating and difficult will it be? How how disruptive will it be to my personal life if I'm not playing at the club I love after spending two years fighting to get in the team? Mm. Um, and the other, the other thing is, Luke, is that this is one aspect of transfers and football that people don't really delve into too much. They kind of um, quickly mention it now and again. These decisions you have to make near deadline day mm. are all in the space of two days. Mm. You're turning your world upside down. You know, your personal life, your football life uh, could be financial decisions. Everything is in a 48-hour, maybe 72 if you get lucky. Mm period, when the window's closing. You don't have time to speak to everybody you want to speak to, let the dust settle, let the emotion calm. What is, you know, what's the practicalities of it? What is the, is, is there more to this? You know, you just, you, you jet off around the countries, seeing the different clubs you're interested in. You know, obviously I didn't have anyone abroad, so it was a bit easy to do. You know, Tottenham, uh, I spoke to Tottenham, Charlton and Everton. Just quickly, would you have gone abroad? And, I nearly did once. Yeah, yeah. I, I said yes to doing it, and we couldn't make it happen. Julio tried to get me to Lyon. Right. When um, just after I'd left Liverpool to Charlton. Right. Um, uh, well, a bit, a little bit after, and I, I we hadn't spoken enough really, and he didn't realise that I'd want to go, and I was like, I'd love to come. Right. Um, but it all became problematic. Charlton didn't want it to happen. The finances weren't quite. Not that that was a big deal for me, really. But it, 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 I, I would have loved the experience, but obviously you need the opportunities, and that was the only opportunity that came. Mm. Okay, and, what, and how do you look at how do you look at your time at Charlton? Of course, you did a cup season and a half, and then obviously you're off to Spurs. But a solid kind of mid-table time in the Premier League did that feel a little bit different to what you were used to, or was it something that suited you because you were, you know, you know, you played every game I think in the first season in the league, didn't you? It was a challenge because you you have to change your mindset, um, become a bit more of a leader. Mm. Um, te- you know, don't don't 
don't get too embroiled in the things that aren't good at the club in terms of the quality of the kit, the change rooms, the canteen, the food, all those type of things. You know, you're going down a few pegs from Liverpool. Mm. Um, you're the big fish in a small pond. You know, best paid player, but they're looking up to you. You've got to perform. You've got to, you've got to play the role. Well, and you've, got, you've got to embrace it. Yeah, and I tried to do that. I really did. And it was a great set of lads. And, and for the majority of it, I got on really well with Curbs and Keith Peacock and Mervyn Day. Curbs is a good guy. Um, the the start of the second season, we re, we actually started on fire. We had a lovely blend. Darren Bent came in. We had Romadal, Jerome Thomas Wide. I played in a more a little bit of a of a, a kind of a ten, but I had the likes of Alexi Smurt and Matty Holland behind me. Um, and we I think we won our first five games. Of, you know, mm. first first four or five games, and we we started off really really well. Um, and it was some of the most enjoyable times playing in that squad. It was brilliant. We we enjoyed it. We had good camaraderie. Um, it went a little bit wrong for for a very innocuous reason in terms of um, a, a transfer that was trying to be done um, from between Charlton and Newcastle at the time. I had a great half of the season. Suey wanted me at Newcastle. Curbs wanted more reinforcements in. I think he was trying to get Boyer and Amiobi for me. Mm. Um, I found out about it, no problem, confronted Curbs because I just wanted it out on the table, what's happening. You know, I, I, I hadn't shut the door to it because he hadn't, I wasn't given the opportunity. He denied it. There was, you know, he, he got a bit defensive, which I understand in his position. And, and I took umbrage to that because actually I was just trying to have a mature conversation. And before you know it, because of I had a good influence around some of the lads, he, he, he moved me out of the first team scenario. Mm. Um, waiting for it to pass, the window to pass, really. Um, and then just right near the end of the window when I'd been left out of the team and training with the younger lads for a while, which really infuriated I bet, me. yeah. Um, and I didn't come, I didn't, I didn't kick off. I didn't. How does that feel as a player, though, Dan? As a, serious, as, as a senior pro at a Premier League club, how does that feel, though? It's really strange. I, um, I couldn't understand the. I, I, Julio was a brilliant communicator. Very intelligent man. Dario was a very intelligent man. Um, I Curb, Curbs, I don't think, had dealt with many situations like this before um, where someone had confronted him. Because I always confront managers when there's an issue. Mm. You know, I'm not going to... It, it's, 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 it's sometimes detrimental to me, to be honest. And, and sometimes it works for me. But I knocked on his door and said, look, I know this is happening or, you have you know, the club's trying to do this and let's have a chat about it. And then he went into denial and, and I couldn't understand the lack of communication. Then, of course, you know, the the then not playing bit. And at that point, I'd not played the last couple of games particularly well because this was all going on. He moved me out and then training with the kids was a kick, a kick in the nuts. Mm. And actually, I, I did well holding myself together, really, in terms of um, making sure I did do the training, keeping myself fit not speaking in the press, um, not causing a problem. I stayed above it and I'm, I'm, and I'm pleased that I did. Mm. It was only when Tottenham came in right at the end that I had to force the issue, which I'd never done and I'd never wanted to do, where I had to give the, you know, the simple equation of what would happen if they didn't let me do this after I'd been treated that way. And the simple equation was that I, I wouldn't play for him again. Mm. And, you know, that can be done in clever ways. That that sounds egotistical. It sounds selfish and spoiled. It probably was. Mm. Um, because he thought we could, after the window shut, we could just go back to normal. And I then Tottenham came in, which we were on the crest of a wave, pushing for Champions League that season. 
And I thought, you know what, I've got to make this happen. So I made it happen mm. um, in no uncertain terms. And then he wasn't best pleased when it happened. Um, <laughs> and then, but we made up, you know, I saw him a year or two later or a couple of years later, <clears throat> shook hands. That's football, you know, these things happen. It was an experience. But in terms of your question, the majority of my days at Charlton were fab. Great lads, good, good people, good club. Really, really got on with everyone there. Um, and, and and enjoyed the majority of the time. So we leave it there with Danny still at Charlton and awaiting his next career move. In part two, we hear about his time at Spurs as well as that amazing run to the Europa League final with Fulham in 2010. So watch out for that. Um, that'll be out next Wednesday. Uh, feel free to get in touch about the app as well. I'm at Luke Aaron Moore on Twitter and Instagram and we're at Football Ramble Daily on Insta and Football Ramble on Twitter. Luke, the player I cleaned the boots for, who was a European Cup winner um, at Crewe, was none other than the great Kenny Swain, who obviously won it at Aston Villa. He uh, went on to manage, super guy, super coach, but uh, yeah, played with a European Cup winner. He used to let me wear his boots for him, actually, to break them in, which was an absolute pleasure. But yeah, I didn't think he'd get that one. Cheers, mate. This was a Stakhanov production.